and welcome to episode 42 of The Playground Project with me, your host, Tanya Pomerantz. As usual, I am honored that you are choosing to spend some time on the playground with my mystery guest and me. Before we start our career chat, I wanted to invite you to follow me on Instagram at PuddleJumpCoaching001. And in the doghouse today, we are shining a spotlight on the Soy Dog Foundation, a rescue organization whose mission statement is to improve the welfare of dogs and cats in Asia, resulting in better lives for both the animal and human communities, to create a society without homeless animals, and to ultimately end animal cruelty. You can visit soydog.org for more information and the link will also be in the show notes. From one dog lover to another, I'm so happy to introduce my fabulous mystery guest, Melissa Stavalot. Welcome to the Playground Project, Melissa Stavalot. Did I say it right? Perfect. Perfect. It couldn't yeah. have been more perfect. Thank you. I don't know. You're very sweet. So I am here with Melissa on the playground today, and I'm really excited to introduce Melissa because we met recently, and we met as a result of me going in to speak to the project management students at Algonquin College, and Melissa and I just very much connected. She's lovely. You'll see that. And I'm going to just put some context in her about section. Excellent organizational skills and attention to detail with the capacity to perform efficiently under pressure while ensuring a high level of service. One of my objectives is to contribute to the success of an organization where I can utilize my skills in a healthy environment that offers challenge, growth, and opportunity for advancement. Moreover, to provide the best services, quality, and efficiency at work while fostering a good work environment. Melissa is a project management graduate and journalist, a curious generalist, and a sororitas. Well, I'm going to screw that up. Soro, sororitas. 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 I think that's Latin. What does that mean? It's solidarity between female. That's being used a lot in maybe South America, Latin America, now with all this female movement, feminist. So sorority is a term that is being used a lot. I love it. I love it. So why don't you say it the way that it should be said? Sororitas. Nice. All right. See, that was so much nicer to people's ears <laughs> than hearing my babbling around. So, Melissa, everybody knows the the people, the listener listens and they know kind of how things go. They know as a career development practitioner, I'm all about going back and finding out where people came from, then kind of taking people on a journey to the pivoting. And I think there's been some pivoting in your life. So let's start. Where did you grow up and what was high school like for you? Okay. First, I want to thank you for this opportunity. You know, not always you have this chance after my life that's been going on recently that about pivoting. It's important to, you know, get a time to stand up and say, okay, this is where I am. This is what I've done. And 
to have the opportunity with you to talk about it is really valuable for me. I, so I really am thankful for this uh, opportunity you're giving. So the first question was, <laughs> where, do, I well, you yeah. that. <laughs> where, did, where did you grow up and what was high school like for you? Well, I was born in Toronto. Oh, come on, Melissa. That's <laughs> not what I was expecting. I'm a box of surprises, I'm telling you. So, yeah, uh, I'll try to make the story short. So, okay, so, well, it was the 70s. Uh, in, I'm from Chile, South America. There was this political situation. I don't know, you know, much about Pinochet. Dictatorship killed a lot of people. So my parents wanted to avoid all that. So they came to Canada. My dad had a scholarship from the University of Toronto. So during that time, it was late 70s. It was a long time. During that time frame, during my master's and PhD of my dad, I was born. But my parents okay. were both Chileans. My dad was a student. My mom was a tourist. They were not political refugees, so there was no option for them to stay in any way. And I think they wanted mm -hmm. to go back. They had their lives and the family back. So they went back to Chile. So I'm Canadian, born Chilean race. <laughs> I love it. I think that's so cool. Okay, so was it just you that was born in Canada or do you have other siblings? Just me. All my my other two siblings were born in Chile. Yeah, so I'm the okay. only Canadian of the family. Until very old, I started to value that opportunity of having a second nationality. I was raised all my life in Chile. It's a very nice coastal place, a little bit up to the north, mild weather. You can see the sea every time the Pacific mm. Ocean. So I grew in a place small. It was like a, maybe it's like the size of Ottawa. I mean, in, in population, maybe a little bit smaller, but it had everything. It was perfect. It was not too far from the capital city. I was raised there all my life in this Northern part, coast, beach, breeze. It was beautiful mm. childhood. And I studied in, a same, in the same place from kindergarten to 12th grade. Oh my goodness. Wow. One same school. And it was very interesting to say it <laughs> in a way. I don't know if it's because you, when you're a kid, you always feel like you're not, you you don't belong to a place. You know, you always look for differences in, instead of similarities. I didn't have too much things in common to my classmates. It was a very small elite mainly created for astronomers, the kids of the astronomers from North America who went to the observatory because in that place where I lived in, in Chile, the skies are amazing. So there are a lot of observatories. So there were a lot of people, astronomers that came there with their kids and they need a school for their kids who were from mainly from the U.S. to study. So this school started very small. Even my class, we graduated six from 12th grade. It was three boys and three girls. That was my class. Oh my goodness. The wow. biggest we got was 12 classes. That was the biggest we got at one point. So it was a very personalized, I had great teachers. So that was amazing. But with my classmates, it was a little bit hard for me to engage. It was a private school, totally bilingual. I had mm -hmm. mostly my classes. Math was in English, science, everything was in English. So my curriculum was pretty intense in English. I mean, I was, my level of English was best than all my other neighbors that were not studying sure. the same school. And my classmates were mainly people that had a wealthier situation than me. Mm -hmm. And also I had this political history background. 
you know? So I was more into the social thing or mm-hmm. humanitarian. So I was more conscious about what was going on in the country in the 80s, you know, dictatorship. So that made me feel always different than the rest. I had, even though my parents had a a good living, it was not as good as my other classmates. So I always felt different Mm -hmm. during all my school. That's it. And I'm glad Mm -hmm. to say, well, I did had a a few classmates with I still keep in touch after like more than five years. It was different. It was not the normal, typical situation. I felt always more different than the rest. So then I was not sure what I wanted to study, even though Teachers helped me a lot to try to figure it out. Back home, I think the same as in most part of Latin America, when you finish high school, if you want to excel in life, you have to go to the university. Hmm. It was not an option to go to a college, for example. It was always university. So it was what career I will pursue. So it was hard to find because I love, I like so many things. (laughs) I would have studied psychology, sociology, even I would would have liked to be an an artist, you know, or an architect, a lawyer, um, a doctor. I would have, (laughs) trust me now that I'm (laughs) with my age, I would think that I would have been good at all those other things I would have thought of me. So it was hard. It was hard. So I first thought about studying design because I like art. Mm -hmm. I didn't knew by that time when I finished 12 that I was not going to be an engineer. That's I knew for sure. I'm not. Okay. That's the one thing that you had struck off your list. (laughs) The only one. So I started design um, because I love arts. And then I noticed that to be a designer or an architect or any artistic career, you need to have that creativity that artists have. You know? mm-hmm. So one thing is that you can you can be good at drawing, you know, or uh, but the other one is to be able to create. Mm-hmm. And it was a little bit frustrating to see that I had not enough what it needed to be a designer. So Hmm. I dropped that after two years. Well, you know, careers back home, university careers are at least five years long. So I dropped it after the second year, I dropped it off. And then I started preparing again for all the process to go in again to the university. So then I was smart enough to say, okay, if I'm going to study something for five to six years, I need to find something that keeps me motivated. And you know, that was a very important time for me to say, what do I want to study? Not what I want to be, you know, because mm-hmm. that's a, I think that's too much pressure for a kid or for even for an adult. What do you want to be for the rest of your life? Maybe you mm-hmm. want to change. If you're thinking about studying, maybe you can find something that you are interested in studying. So I went to the university and I went to the, all the different careers. Okay, so I want the, the courses to want to know what a nurse studies. I went to law school and asked for to know what were the courses they studied. And I went to journalism. And when I saw that courses, oh, I said, this is fun. This is going to be fun to study because mm-hmm. they had everything, uh, radio, TV, uh, cinema, uh, psychology, sociology, everything. So it was arts. It was so much things covered that I said, okay, I can can do this. I can study this. I can wait five years. (laughs) And the good thing about journalism is that it's a pretty ample career because you can do different things. Being a journalist doesn't mean that you're going to be interviewing people all the time. Mm -hmm. Usually people think about the journalist with the guy with the microphone in the front of the camera. 
No, you yeah. can be writing, you can be researching, you can be in human resources, like public relations, diplomatic. You can be so many things, different things. So I studied that. And okay, I, I have a question for you. Yes. I have a question for you, mm-hmm. if I can. How you said when you were studying design, you said, I didn't have the creativity. Mm-hmm. How were you measuring what creativity was necessary? Well, this is funny. I can't even tell you the exact moment. It's it's a little bit funny, it, it's not, but it was very important for me at that time. We were in a class. The teacher was all relaxed and all this, in this moment of creativity and said, okay, I need you for tomorrow for you to bring the concept of a papaya. And I said, okay, what? Can you repeat that again? I think I got it wrong. I need you to bring me the concept of the papaya. So how on earth, what? I don't get this. Some classmates started drawing after he finished saying that. And I was hmm. trapped in the, what is he, what does he mean with the concept um. of the papaya, you know? And so I was not able to think outside the box and about the concept of the fruit. Okay. So what did other people bring? So it was frustrating for me because I couldn't, I couldn't have that artistic feeling or I had. But what, what, created what did that- the other people, what did the other people bring though? Because if, if you're saying you couldn't, you know, that concept, what did the other people do? Did, did they bring a papaya? Did they bring no, they words draw, to describe a papaya? Or like- draw, for example, one of them drew a, cur- a curve, a yellow curve, a very bright yellow curve hmm. or some other, you know, it was all related to when you see a papaya or a fruit or whatever fruit, you hmm. match that fruit and you have this first feelings or emotions or thoughts about that fruit. Mm. So that you have to capture that in a drawing. I hear you, by the way. Like, I completely understand what you're talking about. But I, I love that. I love that uh, experience. I really, I really enjoy those times. And I still keep friends from that time. So there you are. You've studied the journalism. Mm-hmm. You love it. Did you know what you were going to do after journalism? Well, I don't love journalism. I just think it was very helpful. You know what? I'm not a... You're, you're so analytical. Yes, I am. At this point <laughs> in life, even though I do trust my my guts, trust me, I do trust my guts, but I have learned to like to cope, you know? So, okay. So mm-hmm. if you need to do something or you want to get to some point, then you have to do things to get to that point. Even though you don't like the steps, but you have to go through the <laughs> You know, so, so I had to study something. I studied journalism and I'm glad that I chose that career because that career hel- helped me to do different things. So I started mm-hmm. uh, working as a um, journalist first, then um, public relations. Then I was a researcher for three years. Then I was a, a paralegal for five years. Then seven years ago, I started as admin. Hmm. I had to start, well, you know how immigrants, <laughs> you know, a lot yes, of immigrants. And uh, we have start uh, t- start all over again here. To be honest, I don't know any friend, immigrant friend who has been able to start a new life the same as they left it back home. Mm, Please expand on that. That's a pivot. That's, I think, one of the latest pivot. I had to restart again, having two kids, uh, a dog, a husband, 
uh, and arriving to Canada, then you have to say, okay, I don't have a network. I don't have contacts. My career degree means nothing here because it's not validated. My work experience means nothing because here they ask for Canadian experience. So basically I start from zero. How was that? Uh, well, of course it was hard, but I think we were a little bit naive with my husband. We would, we had, of course, our savings. We came and we say, okay, let's see how it goes. You know, if it's fine, it's fine. If not, we'll just go back. Mm. Uh, but when there's something in my mind and I want to pursue it, I just go, go, go until I pursue it. Oh, <laughs> Melissa, this sounds very familiar to me. <laughs> if I want something, I can take a while, but I do it. So I hear you. Good. I'm glad you stayed, by the way. Yes, I'm glad too. And having kids, it's it was also a very important decision that we make. We mainly did it for our kids. Back home, our our situation was pretty comfortable. We had the money we earned back home was even more than what we earn here or we're earning nowadays. And our situation was even better economically, but we didn't have time to enjoy. We didn't have ah. any family life because it was mainly working. So what's, yeah. the, what's the point of having all these amenities if you are not able to enjoy them? Mm -hmm. So, and it, we were stressing out. It was a stressful time. And my husband was working from 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. It was crazy. Oh, it's too much. And oh. some people was a year old. Julieta was in first grade. She finished first grade stressed. Imagine a first grader stressed. Oh. It was, come on. <laughs> it was too much. It was yeah. too much. So I'm glad that, that we made the decision and that we stayed. It was not easy. Trust me. I don't think any immigrant can say it's easy to come to a new place with no family, no support, no network and start all over again. It's not easy. It's so not. why then? Why won't or why can't employers look at somebody who has made this huge transition and not be able to see all of the resilience, all of the determination, all of the focus, all of the commitment, all of these transferable skills, let, let alone all of their, their technical skills that they're bringing. I can't understand why there's such an untapped talent out there of newcomers and their achievements and their accomplishments and their experiences. I just don't understand it. Well, I think I, I know the answer is it's one is you have to prove you are up to the Canadian standards. That's one thing. And even professionally, when you have your own career, then you have to go through a whole process of validating your degree. Some careers are easier than, than others, but they are pretty expensive and, and to do all the process of validating your career, it's long mm -hmm. and, and not easy. Yeah. No, I know. It's sad because I can see, for yeah. example, health, you know, but, well, we can be talking about health all night, but <laughs> I can see dogs <laughs> who are driving Uber. Come on. It's <laughs> and, we, and there's a crisis in health. So it's sad. You know what makes me more sad now that I finished this a project management program and I, I was able to meet so many valuable people is that they are so talented and so mm -hmm. prepared in the academic area, but they don't have the option to show all their skills. They're waiting for an opportunity. Yeah. Well, it's all a process. I understand also because I was in Chile at a time and there were a lot of immigrants as well coming to the country. So I was on the other side as well saying, hey, mm. all these immigrants are coming and they're taking all the jobs. So and I, I saw the difference that here in Canada, they kept the best or the works for the Canadians, you know, and they kept 
the blousy jobs for the immigrants. That was my vision when I was back home, that all the jobs that immigrants got were the ones that the Canadians didn't want. The, they didn't want to do. I don't know, construction, painting, um, Uber, you know, all the the cashiers, cleaning services. They are all jobs that I don't think many Canadians want to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A lot of people, when they when they hear the word immigrant, it's almost like a negative connotation. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of people, most people, if they don't have the opportunity to talk with people that are, you know, newcomers, they may have this perception in their head that, and I, I've heard it, I've heard it. Immigrants are taking our jobs. And then the, the immigrants say, oh, Canadians are getting the jobs. And then the young people say the old people are getting the jobs. And the old people say, oh, it's the young people that are getting the jobs. But I've seen that who gets the jobs are the people that find out about the opportunities, essentially. And the thing is that a lot of people, they have no idea about what it takes to make the the move, right? To to immigrate. And they don't understand the economic class. And they don't know that you need to have a certain amount of money in your bank account. You don't know that they don't know that it goes by points. They don't know that you get more points with how, you know, your age or the languages you speak, i.e. French and English. They don't know all about these things. And so I don't know if that has an impact on the employers. But I think that if more people realize, like I can tell you, at this age, 53 years old, I would not be probably not be eligible to come as an economic worker. Mm -hmm. But I don't think people know that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I totally, I totally understand what you're saying. I hear you. And I I agree. And The good thing about Canada is there's so many opportunities to come. There's still a lot of chances to come. Even, for example, at my age, I'm not, I was the oldest student of my class. Of your project management. Yes. It was funny because once my my 14-year-old asked me, mom, do you care what people think about you? (laughs) And I started laughing and say, honey, I'm the oldest (laughs) classmate in my class. Do you think I care? Why would I care what people think about me? If that would have stopped me, I would have not done a lot of things. I mean, this is probably a function too of getting older, quite honestly, that you just don't care as much about what people have to say or think about you because that's all their stuff. You're just busy living your own life. You, You don't have control over what people think. Going back to what you were saying about coming to Canada, I still think there are a lot of opportunities. I'm glad to say there are a lot Trust me, I met a lot of newcomers that have a lot of willing, you know, I think that's super important mm-hmm. and, and they are focused. They mm-hmm. know where they're heading and they pursuing that. Cause I had a lot of discussion with, with my classmates. Well, what are you doing here? I'm, I'm, I'm pretty bold. So I said, why did you come here? What do you want? <laughs> what are you looking for? Mm-hmm. I was pretty bold with my questions and they know what they want. So I'm I'm happy yep. for them. They're super resilient, which I think that's a must. Every immigrant needs to be resilient. If not, you need to go back. And, and that's sad. I and I've seen it. I've seen it happen where they don't get the traction, you know, mm-hmm. and they feel the need to go back, and they do. And a lot of people actually have, have been seeing on LinkedIn all of these surveys and stuff saying that a lot of immigrants are going back. 
to their homes. That's too bad because I'm not the generation, the millennials are not even the, the youngest ones. <laughs> are you a Gen, Gen X? I think, uh, yes, I think I am. I'm getting closer to my 50s now. So <laughs> when I met this boys and girls and they were so young and so they knew what they wanted, but they were not willing to do some certain things, which I said, okay, wow, that's mm -hmm. amazing. I told, why don't you work on anything? No, because I want to do that. Okay, good. Mm -hmm. But please don't get frustrated if you don't, you're not able to. I'm, I'm, and I and had this conversation with a few. I'm glad that you know exactly what you want and where you're heading, but please don't frustrate if you're not able to get there. You, you will get there eventually at some point if you keep trying, but sometimes it's harder. You know, don't, you don't know how much time it's going to take you to get to that point. That's it. That's right. That's right. So you've pivoted a lot, a lot. <laughs> and what, what are you most proud of in, in your almost 50 years of life? Oh, I'm most proud of my family. You know, it's mm -hmm. because that's my, my ongoing project every day. Uh, I have a, I, I have a teenager, I have an eight-year-old and a 10-year senior Dalmatian dog. Ringo. Ringo, yes. And my husband. And we we were able to start it again as a family here in Canada. And that was pretty amazing. Mm. My kid was a year old when he arrived. So he didn't even speak a word. Not even... Spanish. Mm. <laughs> because as soon as he as we arrived, he started going to daycare. So it was all English, a daycare and our house is an embassy. It's a Chilean embassy. As soon as you step the door, it's just Spanish. No English allowed. <laughs> yeah. So it's the, our only way to make them have another language than English because English gets into the culture, Latino culture, and destroys all Spanish. So we, you, we have to encourage it. We have to keep it. English is very... What about difficult. French? And French. Well, the little one is going to French immersion. So he's also learning French. Yeah, the fourteen-year-old was seven when she came, so it was a little it was a little bit too late for her to study to start the French immersion. Mm. But she does know the the core French. Good for her. So good. That's the way to go. I very much appreciate that. This is what you know that you're most proud of in your life because that's well, a that says a lot about you, and and I I like that. And so what's next for you? You've just finished your project management certification. It sounds like it was a really fabulous experience for you. Yes? Yes, it was. I'm so happy to finally have done what I was wanting to do for years. I made it finally. It was a hectic year between work and study. I'm almost done with my uh, placement, my co-op. And after this, I should go back to my full-time work. I don't know if I'm having an, a job offer. Let's see. For the moment, I don't, Mary? but I keep open. So what's coming next for me is keep learning and keep open. Well, now I'm in the uh, in the time that I'm reflecting on what happened this year because it was really hectic. It was crazy. Mm -hmm. So now I'm having the time to analyze, oh my goodness, I made it. <laughs> what happened here? Mm -hmm. It was really crazy. I'm glad to say. And to celebrate. But uh, yeah, I'm glad to say I have a family that supports a lot. I have good friends. For me now, I just want to keep growing and learning. I think what this year brought to me is that learning is fascinating and it keeps you alive. Mm -hmm. 
keeps you growing as a person. So I will keep doing that. I will keep, I'll find something else to study. (laughs) Okay. And this, here's a question. It's, it's, I didn't ask you in advance, but I'm going to throw it out there. Mm -hmm. What is your, or where is your ideal job? Like if you could have a magic wand, if I give you a magic wand and said, Melissa, you can wave this and you'll be transported to your absolute dream job. Where would you want to be? What kind of company? I don't know what kind of company, but I want a flexible job with a great work environment, which is the most important for me for work. I need a great teamwork. I, I got if I don't have a, a good team, I, I can't be happy. I, I, for me, that's that's the most important thing. So flexibility, great team, and lots of vacations. Because you know, I live in Chile. I might have my family's in Chile, so I have to travel. That's so less than three weeks. It's not enough <laughs> of vacations. But, you know, that is a it's a really good point because some employers may not understand that you need to take that time to go because especially if you're going a very long distance, going for like a week or two weeks, that's not going to cut it. You need to be able to spend time and see your family and rejuvenate yourself with your Chilean kind of love. You know what I mean? Exactly. No. And and also because I don't think three weeks you can even if you, because what usually people do is that they, they divide them. So they go one week, I don't know, in, in March or February, then another one, mid mm-hmm. July, September, or then the other one for Christmas. But I think the great vacations are the ones that you are able to disconnect from work. Mm-hmm. Is that pretty? I'm an intense person. So everything I do, <laughs> I totally commit to that. So when I work, I really work. So when I go on vacations, it's take, it takes me at least a week to stop thinking about work. Yeah. So I don't think one week is enough to recover, yeah. to set up or to disconnect from work and start enjoying. I completely agree. And I would hope that people get at least three weeks of vacation, especially when it comes to a lot of people from different countries. It's the same thing about the balance, right? The work-life balance where it's like you said about your husband, you know, what is like six in the morning until eight at night? I, I, that's, that's not healthy. So I think that I'm a big proponent of like the four day work week and, and not jamming everything in compressing it, or maybe that is what it is, but it's like being realistic. And I'm a big, huge proponent of working from home if it's possible. Well, you know, that's one of the things I loved about COVID, if I can say this. One Me of the too. things that COVID taught us and helped us is to figure out and learn that you are able to work from home efficiently and not even from home anywhere. You just connect yes. and do your work from anywhere. So it's yeah. possible. Yeah, I think four days a week would be amazing. You know what? At this point, I'm just looking for stability and flexibility. I hear you. But, you know, listen, I've got that magic wand, right, that I gave you <laughs> so you can do whatever, whatever you want now. So the last, the last question, and I'm quite fascinated by this because you are bold and so am I, and we are direct. And I love that because it's just fun when you connect with somebody who has that same way of experiencing life, quite honestly. What's your favorite quote or motivational words that you live by? You know, that's a very hard question because I have had so many quotes 
depending on my periods of my life, you know, yes. I, when, I, when I was a kid, I was just go for it or, you know, or, mm -hmm. <laughs> or yep. we'll yep. figure it out or, but it has changed, you know, my, my mom now, and I've been, I'm going hmm. approaching to my 50s. So I, of course I've changed, I've learned, but I can tell you, well, the other ones were like, trust your guts, you know, it's always, sometimes you don't hear enough yourself sometimes you you know that something something like smells funky but you keep going even yeah, though it, it, it and you keep going and then something happens and said darn why didn't i hear my guts i knew i, I should well mm -hmm. that happened so many times that i learned how to hear myself but i think that mm -hmm. now nowadays and that has kept me um this is like my, my quote it's not a quote but it's something i've been working on it or not working or maybe finding that it's really valuable is honesty. I'm trying to remain, to keep honest to myself always, mm. always, no matter what. If I need to do something, is this, I am being honest with, with myself doing this? If not, I don't, you know, or any decision I, I make because well, life is about decisions. Mm -hmm. But when when you're being honest to, you, to yourself, it's easier to find what's the way. And that's a beautiful thing about Canada that I value a lot is that Canadians value honesty. So I, I'm pretty mm -hmm. happy about that. I think I found my place here. So I think I'm staying. <laughs> <laughs> I think you found your place here. You're very Canadian, for goodness sake. <laughs> so, you know, the actual quote I believe you could use is, to thine own self be true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Be honest with yourself. I really like that because that says a lot that incorporates a lot of life, right? Professional and personal. I like that. I like you, Melissa. <laughs> I like um, you, Tanya. <laughs> so I'm, I'm really glad that we made this happen. I'm so happy that you are finishing up and your your co-op and I feel good things are coming your way. You know what? I'll stick to the, your words. Like decree. The best way to predict your future is to create it. Mm -hmm. That's by Peter Drucker. I'm I'm so glad that you were here and we were able to uh, spend this time on the playground together, and that I pressed record because that was a big learning experience this morning. Yeah, I just want to say thank you. Thank you, Tanya. Really, I, I really, I, as I told you at the beginning, this is a very important instance you provide to us. Talking about ourselves is not something we go through life. <laughs> I'm a journalist, so I know the importance of communication and socializing. When you speak out, there's a process that you go through in yourself that you start realizing what, you know, because sometimes you just think, 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 but you don't, you don't vocalize that. Vocalizing, it's another way of going through deeper thoughts. So I really appreciate your time and this instance because it really helped me a lot. Yay. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me, joining us on the playground today, Melissa. I really appreciate you sharing your story with us and for being open and honest about what it's like to move to Canada with your husband, children, and your dog, and the challenges you have faced. Most importantly, thank you for sharing your achievements and your accomplishments. It was hard for you to narrow down your career choices, 
but with a lot of self-awareness and information about the different subjects, you were able to make a well-informed decision about your future. And we talked about immigration, what that means and sounds like to Canadians and to the immigrants themselves. We discussed the untapped talent that is being ignored by Canadian employers who don't seem to understand the resilience, determination, focus, adaptability, commitment, and sheer grit needed for people to leave their home countries, their families, their friends, their networks, and their entire lives behind. It was a crazy year for her, but she is happy that she finally got to do something she really wanted to do. She is a lifelong learner determined to continue learning and growing. We chatted about what it was like for her to be the oldest student in her project management program at Algonquin College and what she's looking for in an employer. Flexibility, a great team environment, and lots of vacation time. Our conversations covered a lot. Two bold, direct women talking about COVID, working from home, the fact that her house is a Chilean embassy, and shared favorite quotes. One of her favorite quotes encompasses honesty. To thine own self be true. Be honest with yourself. It will be easy to find your way. I'm delighted that she found her place here in Ottawa and that she hung out with me, with us, on the playground. Please remember to follow me on Instagram at puddlejumpcoaching001 and visit soydog.org for more information about this incredible rescue organization. Until next week's episode, please be good to yourself, to others, to animals, and the environment. I am really looking forward to next week's chat with my fabulous mystery guest, when we will jump into the future together. (music) 